We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Wednesday, April twelfth, two thousand and twenty-three. Welcome everybody to the Pack a Day Podcast, the Wednesday edition. And we're one man short, uh, and we're going to remain one man short. Brennan Rupp has decided that uh, he's too good for us, so he's not going to be with us anymore. Now, uh, Brennan's busy uh, and unable to fulfill some of his duties with us here, so we're holding down the fort. Andy Herman has left Owen Reese and myself unsupervised, so. Uh, pray to whoever you pray to that this thing doesn't go too wild on this. Uh, it is like I mentioned, April 12th, 2023. That just reminds me of, uh, April 12th of 2015, where we like all collectively decided to turn that into a Packers holiday. Cause it was far Rogers star day, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think, actually, I know a girl who, uh, she was my bartender when I was in college and, her son was born on 4-12-15. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. Uh, so happy birthday to him. I won't give his name out because I don't have permission for that. But uh, I'm joined by Owen Reese, like I mentioned. Owen, how are we feeling tonight? We're doing well, man. Um, for those, some of you guys know, some don't. I coach at Wisconsin Platteville, uh, Division Three school in Southwest Wisconsin. And we start spring ball tomorrow. And it was 65 degrees today. And it's supposed to be like 80 on Wednesday. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, that is probably just probably just gave away that we don't put this out the same day as the uh, as it gets posted, but that's all right. 
that's that's all right. Hopefully, there's no news that happens between now and Wednesday. So if it, listen, Jets Packers, one more day of a stalemate's not going to kill anybody. I promise. No. Um, but yeah, that's kind of cool. I remember like it's crazy watching, quote unquote, spring ball. Uh, and like I think, like I think Michigan had theirs on like March eighth or something like that. And there's snow on the ground. Like that's not spring football. That's just is during that time of year. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to to gather that way. So you've got some actual spring weather to go uh, with the spring football. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I remember I had a, an old coach of mine that grew up in Texas. He said, there's two sports in Texas, football and spring football. So welcome to the second season for those of you that grew up in Texas tonight. We have uh, the pleasure of talking about pass rushers. And there are a couple of them that we want to go through tonight. The first one, I do want to get out of the way just kind of quickly. I'm not, he won't be there guy, but if he's available at pick 15, something went, drastically wrong uh, to the point where the Packers may not even want to pick him, whether that's a medical reason or otherwise, uh, but that's Will Anderson from Alabama. And today, as we were going through some things, a few tweets like Pete Prisco of CBS sports had said something that he's not a generational prospect. He's not the same level prospect as like Nick Bosa and some guys like that, um, which is interesting simply because like, that's not a knock necessarily, but at this time last year, that is kind of what he was billed to be. And it is funny how things change from one year to the next where it's like, you know, this time last year, but it's like, well, a slam dunk number one pick next year is Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama. And I was just kind of like, yeah, he's good, but like, he's not in consideration for not. Well, I mean, he's not now definitely because of Carolina, but like he's not in consideration for number one, maybe number two, if, if D'Amico Ryan's really loves him, but who knows, you know, it's hard to say there, but what's your take on him Owen? What's your, what's your gauge on, on the, the Alabama product? Yeah. A couple of things, I guess, first of all, you're right. He's not generational because we give the term generational out to five guys every single year as if a generation isn't a decade or 25 years or a lifespan of a human being. Um, Nick Bosa was generational. Miles Garrett was generational. Jadevian Clowney was generational. Khalil Mack was generational. And now Will Anderson is now not decidedly um, generational. I think he's a guy I heard um, Austin Gale writes for the ringer. Very nice guy. Very good person. Human being. Very funny. He was a guy that brought this up in a podcast I listened to recently. And I think he's correct on this. So this is certainly not an original opinion of mine, but he's a guy I think is going to be a better pro than he was in college and not due to the trope of like, well, he's very raw. Uh, Will Anderson has been very good for three years now. Right. And that's again, I also within the media scope, um, people get bored of prospects. Yeah, that's a really long, long time. Um, but as far as Will Anderson, like if you look at this Alabama roster over say the past few years, they have Brian Branch, he'll be a top 50 pick, and they have Kool-Aid McKinstry, who will be a, a, probably a first-round pick next year, the corner. But outside of that, like this is not the nine defensive players from Alabama get drafted type of roster, right? Maybe it's an in-between year, whatever the case may be. Like They did not have Pat Sertan and, and whoever, like those type of prospects you know, behind him as a pass rusher. So I think he's a guy that in the right system – will probably be asked to do truthfully a little bit less than he was at Alabama. And I think he'll benefit from that. Just having a more, more freedom to play with. Um, but again, Will Anderson is, is the, the prototypically sized three, four outside linebacker who's six, four and 255 pounds. And he is a freak athlete. 
and he's a good pass rusher and he's, he's a good run defender and he's very, you know, you see him, you see him uh, in clips, wrong arming pullers and, and spilling gap plays. And it's like, it's, it's very impressive to watch. I simply think he's a guy that to an extent has been a victim of people being bored. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Carter is very talented. Tyree Wilson from Texas tech is also very talented. You know, every team has scheme preferences and, and will value certain traits over the other. Um, but nothing that Will Anderson has done has been wrong. I agree. If he ends up uh, in the area where the green and yellow could take him, I would dare to venture some type of Laramie Tunsil level uh, <laughs> issue has been uh, very timely released immediately before the draft. Um, but Will Anderson is an incredible football player. Um, you know, I, I – Brevity has never been my strong suit, but I, I don't uh, – people say, like, yeah, well, he's not generational. Like, all right, man. Like, kids get called generational every year. I'm not going to change my opinion on Will Anderson. He's a very good football player, potentially the best defensive player in this entire draft class, um, and he will be just fine regardless of, of what Pete Prisco deems his potential may be. Yeah, and that's the thing is, right, like you mentioned the word generational, and I said it as well, is like, you know, every year it feels like we have one of those guys, and it's like, well, then they're not, like, that by very definition, that goes against the word generate. Like, when I really started really focusing and paying attention on the draft as like a whole, and not just from the Packers standpoint, it was when Jadeveon Clowney was uh, the number one overall pick. And that was when everyone was like, oh, he's a once-in-a-decade type player. Okay, cool. Well, then a few years later, that was Miles Garrett. And then after that, it was Joey Bosa. And then it was Nick Bosa. Or maybe I have the order in the timeline messed up on that a little bit. But, like, you can't be generational <laughs> if there's one every year, like you mentioned. And you mentioned some other guys as well. Khalil Mack was that way. Uh, he was in the same draft as Clowney, for God's sake. So, you know, I think the ceiling for Anderson to get drafted is two to Houston. Uh, I know, and it's still probably true that it's penciled in as a quarterback in that position, and that makes sense. Houston doesn't have one. They missed on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Davis Mills is their incumbent starter. Like, that's not the route you're going to go. But D'Amico Ryan's defensive head coach, if he's in love, then, you know, they, they didn't have to move incredibly far to get their pick of whatever quarterback they wanted. Uh, there's plenty of reporting from Albert Breer uh, and some other guys that, that Houston was in conversations to move up to one and get their choice a lot. They didn't do that. So I think his ceiling is two. He could go as early as two. His floor to me feels like 10, which is where the Philadelphia Eagles currently sit and pick. I Unless the doctors are just completely uncomfortable with something, you know, and I don't know. I mean, there's been some discussion about his knee or something like that, but like, Will Anderson, I can't picture Howie Roseman saying no to that. And Howie Roseman's talked about how, you know, he builds things on both sides of his offense and defense from the front back. Uh, and he's kind of talked about how he kind of does that. So I can't picture the Eagle. And the Eagles last year were in the Super Bowl on the strength of their pass rush, and they lost some of those guys. So throwing in a guy like Will Anderson would, would it be adding to a strength. So Yeah, if, and I, I mean, even like Arizona at four and Seattle at five, who are, you know, they're they're the theoretically the top non-quarterback teams, right? Like I think that's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, maybe Tyree Wilson. That's been rumored. I saw Lance Zerline from NFL.com. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryans, who is an Alabama alum, right? So there's that tie. He has no shortage of information on on Will Anderson, I'm sure, due to his relationship with Nick Saban. But as far as 
you know, Tyree Wilson was is more like the body type of a lot of those San Francisco rushers, you know, so it, it, it all is what it is, but I, I, I don't foresee, like, like you mentioned earlier, something went seriously wrong. Even if Anderson even gets outside of the top six, you know, like something went catastrophically off the rails, something legal or something, you know, as far as, you know, borderline, like was, like I mentioned, Tunsil, like borderline blackmail, borderline, like defamation of character, you know, like within an hour of the draft, it's, it's, I mean, we have, we had this discussion a couple years ago too. Like, well, if the Packers would draft like Ed Oliver, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like they, you know, but like they won't cause he won't be there. It's fine. I am a, he won't be their guy. Um, but as far as like someone like Will Anderson, does every team have that like simulation where, yeah, like if, if the worst comes to the worst and they want to be prepared, but <clears throat> you can prepare, it's still 99.9% not going to happen. Yeah, the other way that it could happen is if Green Bay did a a trade up into the top three, which I'm I'm curious on this all, and that's I can't not in the situation the Packers in that's not something I can endorse uh, for the reasons we mentioned earlier. To some degree, Will Anderson's a really good football player, but I do agree to the to a point that he's not Miles Garrett or somebody like that. Still really good, but. The Packers, we talked about this last week, are not in a position where you're never one player away. But Green Bay is especially in a situation now where they're not one player away. So I can't endorse them moving up. For Again, if he got to 10 and the Eagles decided they weren't comfortable with that and wanted to trade out or something like that, then sure. But if you have to trade in the likely range where we think he's going to end up going, then I can't endorse the Packers doing that. Maybe in a different year, but not this year. No, and especially... You know, like you said, it's. I still don't foresee it something as they would do, but especially without twelve at under center, I, I don't think that's. Again, your your window is no longer there as far as competing and and legitimately contending to be a top title team. So there's n- really no benefit to to you know stretching yourself so thin and, and giving up further capital for. I mean, Will Anderson's a, a heck of a player. He's not necessarily and we'll talk about this with another guy we're talking about tonight he's not necessarily the body type that the Packers necessarily have lended themselves to over the past four to five years under this Gutekunst regime uh and truthfully if they drafted Will Anderson I don't know that he's the starter right so do you trade up to number three now now do I believe that Will Anderson's ceiling is higher than Preston Smith's absolutely will he be a day one starter and I think if you're taking a if you're trading up to take a non-quarterback that high, you're going to give up that much. They need to be an immediate impact guy because otherwise, you're like it, it, in my optically it looks bad. My view would be a misallocation of resources. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's more than fair. And like you said, non-quarterback because quarterbacks we can you know I mean the starting quarterback for the Packers this year sat for the last three years, so we kind of know the deal. There. The next two guys, these are guys that could be Packers uh, and very likely will be available at 15, potentially could be available. Uh, I think both of these guys could be available on day two. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, some of that stuff as we get through. Both of them uh, have either had or will have a top 30 visit. And that is Iowa State's Will McDonald and Georgia Tech's Keon White. Uh, both athletic freakazoids. Uh, maybe a little bit different style, like you were talking about, Owen, than what Green Bay has. You know, with uh, 
Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and, and Kingsley Anigbare, the guys that are their primary rushers now, it's pretty simple. Uh, they are the Marshawn Lynch meme uh, as far as their pass rush style. Run through your face. And the Packers, something I've opined about, I don't know if they'll do it, but maybe they could, maybe they don't care. Uh, the best Packers pass rush in recent memory didn't care about that. Like they had guys that they just all ran through you and that was fine. Um, but I do wonder, could they use a guy that's different, you know, just does wins in a different way than the way that Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary might win uh, on the field. So there are guys like that in this draft. Nolan Smith is one of them. We're not talking about him necessarily, but he may come up here in just a second. McDonald is a player like that as well. And so is Keon White. And White and McDonald are both interesting to me because they do different things and they can kind of like Keon White would be like a Rashawn Gary, not the same idea, but not the same player, but the same kind of projection where they're going to change his body type, make him an edge rusher that way. He'll have to drop some weight. I think he measured in the combine at like 285 pounds. He'll have to come down from that a little bit. And Will McDonald is the same thing, but in a different way. He'll have to gain weight uh, to get to where the Packers – and maybe they won't do that to him, but like it seems logical that if he's in at 230, maybe they make him play at 255 kind of thing. And I remember – couple years ago on this podcast, we had an interview with uh, Kingsley Kiki, who is uh, no longer with the team, but he was talking about how it was interesting to me, at least because I had never heard it talked about this way before, just how they had to change. Like Gary, when he was drafted, had to transition his body from a hand in the dirt defensive end body to a outside linebacker body, even though that only meant he, I think he has lost five pounds from what he weighed in at. I think he weighed in at the combine at 277. He's played at 272. So he's only lost five pounds, but his body has transformed. So he carries that weight differently. Kiki talked about how he had to do that from playing defensive tackle to defensive end. I think it's possible that they do that in this case with McDonald and White. Both players have had top 30 visits. Now, Green Bay doesn't do those. Teams in general don't do those without some semblance of interest in the player because otherwise you're just kind of wasting everybody's time that way. Now that doesn't mean they're going to draft these guys. It doesn't always work that way. Um, sometimes like Gutekunst talked a couple years ago about bringing in guys for visits and it was subterfuge how they had like three or four quarterbacks that they brought in this year before they drafted Jordan love, obviously, but they brought in a few quarterbacks and it was, they just wanted to muddy the water a little bit, but those are a couple guys that are going to be on some top 30 visits. So let's start with, uh, Will McDonald, because Owen, you were at Iowa State's Pro Day. Yep. And uh, what, what, so what went on there? What's your take on, on McDonald as a player and what, where his fit could be in Green Bay? Yeah. So Will McDonald uh, is a Wisconsin native, shout out Waukesha, uh, played at Waukesha North High School and went to Iowa State. And truthfully, um, at Iowa State, probably did not have his talents and athleticism optimized. Iowa State is a very, Odd front, tight front, uh, mint for those football freakazoids out there, um, where he, a lot of times he was playing in like a four eye, basically a glorified defensive tackle at 6'4 and 245 pounds. And that's where, um, you know, he played quite a bit and that's their, that, that's their scheme, right? Like it is what it is, but he didn't have a ton of true, pure, pin your ears back, pass rush opportunities, or at the very least, even on base downs not trying to beat like base blocks from a tackle, right? Like he's taking on double teams. He's doing other stuff. 
Will McDonald is a um, he's very uh, to steal a, a Mike Mayock ism. He's very body beautiful. Uh, at the Iowa State Pro Day, he worked out in a crop top wind jacket. Um, and if I full disclosure, if I had abdomen muscles that looked like his, I would walk around like that too. Twenty four seven, three sixty five too. Like but not just at a pro day. Correct, correct. Uh, and and so McDonald's a kid who. Um, in the NFL, he's another guy. At the very least, I don't know if he'll be a better pro player than college player, but his production should certainly skyrocket just due to the, the situations he'll be put in should be in more advantageous for him that way. As you mentioned, he is a bit light. I believe – I have my notes here somewhere. I believe he came in at the Iowa State Pro Day at uh, – this is very bad radio. I believe he was like 243 pounds. Um, so he was up a little bit, uh, but he's certainly not the – uh, as we mentioned, the Packers kind of bully ball. Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Kingsley Anigbare, 260, 270-pound, 280-pound outside linebackers um, that they normally have. Now, speed and explosion is the name of, of Will McDonald's game, and I think that's something where, and again, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to vary your types of rushers. Um, to a certain extent, I do, and, and the way that I've learned football and learned to appreciate it and participated in it, I can very much appreciate just simply saying like the quickest point from A to B is in a straight line through your face. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, however, you know, like I said, there is something to be said about having a, a variety of rushers and type, different types of guys that can win in different facets um, on your roster. Will McDonald is, um, like I said, he's a very talented kid. He's, I think he would be a bit more of a project. I think the big reason that you see the Packers take those huge guys is because they want to stay, whether they're in base or nickel, they basically want to have defensive ends on the field at all times. And so Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are very good against the run also. And I think that's something that Will McDonald uh, would have to, again, change his body. I think he'd have to get up to that 255, 260 range to even kind of scrape their what they're likely even – looking to play him at, even if they do allow him to, to have a different rush plan than most of their guys have. Um, Green Bay was in attendance pretty heavily at Iowa State. Um, Brian Gutekunst was there. Milt Hendrickson was there, uh, as well as their Southwest scout. Um, that being said, Iowa's pro day was the day before, <clears throat> so they're in the area. Um, and Iowa has a pass rusher who's been talked about pretty highly, who is the run-through-your-face type in Lucas Van Ness, who is also a very good athlete. Um, so there may be something there. But also, again, there, there was extra attention paid to Will McDonald at that Iowa State Pro Day. Um, and truth, truthfully, there were two prospects there that were really, um, not to diminish the other guys, but two guys that were the show. And it was McDonald and Xavier Hutchinson. So unless the Packers were looking at Xavier Hutchinson – it would not surprise me if Will McDonald was of significant interest to them. And it would be a deviation of their strategy as rushers, but I, I welcome that. Um, if they were to invest in a guy like Will McDonald, I think 15 would be very rich. If they were to do a, uh, if they were to trade down, I think into the, into the mid twenties, maybe probably the start of Will McDonald's range somewhere. Um, but I doubt he gets outside of the top 50. And again, the Packers may end up between now and then having two to three picks in the forties. Um, so that could be something to be seen there. Um, but that, that was Will McDonald. He, uh, also has kind of gathered the rec uh, the reputation of being a bit of a different guy. 
um, not bad way and not like uh, nobody showed up to his birthday party like in draft day. But like um, uh, my college quarterback was a coach of his at Waukesha North. Very creative, very artistic, very uh, free spirited is probably the best way to put it. Um, so he fit in with Aaron Rodgers, like if uh, Rodgers was sticking might around. Not be, yes, <laughs> if, uh, maybe thought of as a free thinker. Um, no, but as far as the, um, you know, not the typical meathead jock, you know, beat my brains in guy. So for whatever that's worth, um, just a little bit of intel on Will McDonald, but he is again one of Wisconsin's own and uh, should generate some interest. And I think, I mean, rightfully so, the Packers are looking at him. He's, he's an extremely talented speed rusher. That being said. Keon White is another interesting case and a very different player than um, than Will McDonald. So Keon White was a tight end at Old Dominion. <clears throat> Transferred to or transitioned, excuse me, to defensive end. Put on a bunch of weight, probably like forty pounds since he was at ODU. Transferred to Georgia Tech. Played pretty well in twenty twenty. Uh, did not play a ton in twenty twenty one. Was hurt a bit of the year and then played pretty well this past year. Body type wise, I would venture to say and this is again probably more due to familiarity as opposed to um as actual style but body type wise he's in that cam jordan type area that's six three six four 275 to 80 pounds um a little bit smaller michael bennett maybe uh and that's a guy a spot where um he's again he's been a, a hand in the dirt four three or three four rusher for georgia tech um but Again, played a lot of that four eye, five tech, not a wide nine, not a finesse guy. Um, although for being a bigger man, when there have been opportunities where if he on, on read zone plays on inside zone and stuff, once he gets in the backfield, he's able to move and change direction well for a larger human, um, you know, kind of coming to balance and being able to burst one direction or the other. So I do see that that Packers kind of jumbo size outside linebacker, they could be a fit for them. Um so, but he's a bit of a different, uh, different path. Um, but he's probably closer to the archetype that Green Bay has targeted over the past two to three years. And he's probably, depending on the, the mock drafts you look at, Keon White's been a tough guy to kind of pin down as far as you can see him in the late first round. You can see him in the early third round, kind of depending on where, where teams view him and, and what they see his upside as, how much they would look to change his body type, if at all. Um, I think any any pass rusher that can that could conceivably fit in either even or odd fronts is more valuable. Um, just not pigeonholing himself. Um, but as far as a guy that again is kind of a dancing bear as a as a as a big defensive end, um, kind of fits the mold in what Green Bay could be looking for in that outside linebacker spot. Um, and again, would have more than McDonald uh, would would have more experience setting a physical edge, being that kind of force player in the run game as well. Uh, to kind of to shorten that learning curve and, and expedite his path onto the field in more than just non-pure rush situations. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, official measurements at the combine were 6'4 six, uh, six, and 7, um, so damn near 6'5", yeah. uh, 285 pounds. Uh, now, you can give or take a few, how much of that's water weight, how much of that's, that's in trying That's to heavier than I would, I mean, that's, I think that's heavier than what he played at. I would yeah. that. Yeah, that seems like a solid guess. And if he were in Green Bay, I'm going to guess that's heavier than what he would play. Like, I would imagine if the Packers are drafting him, like you're saying, it's that outside linebacker thing. So again, 275, 270, even, even lower than that. That to me, like if you're going to change a guy's body type that much, I, I do wonder, is that something that they would spend a, a first round pick on that way to where, again, you have to change it to where he's going to play lighter. He's going to do a lot of different things. You know, I, I don't know that that's what they're going to do from an explosion standpoint, from a play style standpoint, from that projection standpoint, like you're talking about. And the Packers certainly do things as they will always and forever and maybe even sometimes to a fault, admittedly view the draft as a long-term projection and, and most, and especially this year, to me, that's something that's okay. Now is Keon white worth the 15th overall pick. I, I mean, personally, this is just my personal grading. I would say no, but is he, you know, if he's sitting there with one of their second round picks, do they have an extra second round pick? Is that something they could do? It seems to me the Packers have been more invested and granted it's early April. Uh, they'll have a lot more visits between now and, and draft night, but it seems to me they're looking at more of that late first, early second round area for their pass rushers, which is interesting to me just because, you know, typically, and this is a historical data point, but your good pass rushers, your really, really good ones are typically found early in the draft. And the Packers, where they're sitting at 15 overall, I've said a bunch since this draft started. I think the best way for the Packers to meet the pick they have and the strength of the draft in that spot is going to be to take one of these pass rushers. Is that Lucas Van Ness? Is that Miles Murphy? Is that Nolan Smith? Is it one of those guys? I think it's more probable than not that the best available player, and this is going to be boring to some of you guys, but I really don't care. It's like the best available player on the board is going to be an offensive lineman or a pass rusher. I really do think that's going to be what's good. Cause you figure four quarterbacks are going to go early. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, two corners. I just named what eight players, a couple offensive linemen. I'll be a receiver. Pass for sure. They're a receiver or two, maybe well, one, maybe two. This receiver class, I don't think is. I read today, I can't remember who said it. I'm kind of pissed at myself that I don't remember who said it, but they said that the the internet is higher on the receiver class than NFL than is. the NFL is, which isn't surprising that happens every year where the NFL is higher on certain guys than, than other guys, but I'll be interested to see how green Bay attacks it. You know, they, they need a pass rusher. I, I think that that is a need that they have. I think they need a guy that they could step in and be a long-term potential replacement for Preston Smith, a guy who comes in next year as their third or fourth edge rusher, whether he's ready to be in front of Enigbari as a rookie, you can let him compete that way. But by 2024, you want him kind of taking that ascension into the starter opposite of Rashawn Gary, or even if Preston's still here and he's the starter out of veteran respect kind of thing, 
then he's taking over for that. So could that be McDonald? Certainly. Could that be Keon White? Certainly. I think those are, again, like you mentioned, one of them's a different type. One of them's a bit of a projection. I, I could certainly see them liking Keon White just because of that inside-outside versatility that you were talking about. They do like to move their guys around. Um, really, the only guy they haven't messed with much since he's been here is Preston Smith. But otherwise, Gary's taking snaps at defensive tackle. Zedaria Smith took a bunch of snaps as a defensive tackle when he was here, obviously. There's a lot of guys that that Green Bay has liked to, to move like that. And White fits that. McDonald, maybe not so much. Uh, but McDonald is more, like you mentioned, are they – are they trying to get a different type in their, in their edge room? Um, and, and like I said, maybe, maybe something to read into there with Gutekunst and Milt Hendrickson. Those are the big two plus their, plus their one of their scouts that was there at Iowa state. Maybe they were there out of convenience because Iowa was there the day before we know that they've been to at least two Iowa games games from this past season. And again, that's not inside sourcing. That's just, it's reported anytime a scout is at a game. So that's not, that's not uncommon. And, and Iowa's got some guys that certainly fit uh, the needs of what Green Bay has. Van Ness, you mentioned Sam Laporta, Riley Moss, if they want to go that route. Um, Jack Campbell would be awesome, but that's just not going to happen. I don't want to say that's not going to happen, but that's probably not going to happen. Like if Green Bay takes another linebacker in the top 50 this year, I think some people will have a stroke. And it's probably not the greatest use of resources for what they have. That's bad news for Devondre Campbell too. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to circle back on something you said. In 2019, the Packers had Zedarius Smith and they had Preston Smith, and it was a shocker of a pick for all the Packers when they took Rashawn Gary, who then went on to, in a year or two later, become the starter when they let go of Zedarius Smith and he was able to be groomed as a third rusher. And then all of a sudden, and we talk about this, but attacking areas of strength while they're strengths as opposed to waiting for them to become a weakness, Rashawn Gary provided excellent depth as a third rusher and then was able to step in, and then all of a sudden, no, we don't have to pay Zedarius Smith, right? We don't have to worry about overpaying an aging veteran with injury concerns, right? And now, obviously, Rashawn Gary coming off of an ACL is not great, right? Preston Smith just got uh, extended, or they reworked his deal, but again, is was drafted in 2015, so he's 30 on the wrong side of that, and so it may be, you know, like I said, we saw this four years ago, this may be the time when the Packers look to get ahead of the trend, because again, I'd much always rather draft a pass rusher and groom them in as opposed to having to pay for one on the open market. One is much cheaper than the other. And especially in the first round, you have five years of contractual control. It wouldn't surprise me. And again, you talked about this. If in the first round it's a tackle or if it's a pass rusher for that simple fact of you get them for five years, you can attack us. You can, you can strengthen a strength as opposed to waiting for it to become a weakness. And you're simply looking from a cap economic standpoint. Again, like I don't want to have to go pay for a pass rusher out of free agency. So we will continue to draft them early, even if we don't need them in preparation of trying to be able to handle that. And we will sign other positions in free agency and we will deal with that as necessary, but we don't want to have to allocate likely over the market money for a free agent and having to pay the market price as opposed to paying the, the draft price. Well, and it's the same deal that we were talking about. You, you just let's go straight how it is now. Forget the the future considerations. Who's Green Bay's best player on defense, or at least very much on the short list? Rashawn Gary is either the answer of best player or he's the guy right behind Kenny Clark. 
and Jair Alexander. That's it. So again, they drafted him when they didn't quote unquote need him. And while we all threw a fit on draft night that that happened, aren't you kind of happy that they did that? Teams do that all the time. The Eagles took, we talked about this before the show, Andre Dillard when they had Jason Peters. And the idea was to flip him in. Last year, they took Cam Jurgens in anticipation of replacing Jason Kelsey. You know, the Packers do that all the time. Aaron Rodgers famously complains <laughs> about them replacing guys a year early. That's what 32 teams in the NFL do. That's what the draft is for, is you're finding guys to replace aging veterans at a cost-effective type of way. And like you mentioned, pass rushers are expensive, man. Like, what do you think Rashawn Gary is going to cost when he gets his extension here in the next year? It's not going to be $10 million. It, it's not. It's not. What do you think if the Packers were to do an extension with David Bakhtiari, you think that's going to be cheap? I don't know if they will do that, but even if it's Yosh Nyman, you think a Yosh Nyman, they're going to be like, you know what, Yosh, you're a solid player. We should give you a solid contract. You know what solid players get in free agency? <laughs> Elite player contract. That's just well, how. Well, and you mentioned that too, right? Like someone like Preston Smith for convenience sake was the top of the, I think he was the 36th pick. Scott McLuhan took him when, with the, uh, the, the old Washington R words. And now, right, he, they were able to get him on a fairly, fairly cheap deal, I would say, in free agency. They're certainly not paying top, top dollar, right? They signed Preston and Zedarius in the same offseason, right? So it certainly didn't break the bank. Rashawn Gary hitting free agency as a former first-round pass rusher is a simply different caliber of athlete and caliber of player, right? You're never going to pay Preston Smith as much as you pay Rashawn Gary in a strict-up, straight-up free agency battle. Right, the same thing we see. If you want to look uh, to the east and see the Detroit Lions, James Houston, Shrine Bull, led all rookies in sacks. Right, that was cool. In two or three years, because I think he was a, a six-round pick. In two or three years, he will get an extension. He could have twelve sacks the next three years. He's not going to get twenty million a year, right? But if Nick Bosa puts up similar production and was the number two overall pick. And he goes and does the same exact thing as James Houston does, right? He will get more money for the simple matter of the fact is that he's a better athlete and he's a better player, right? So it's, it's get ahead of our, our buddy, justice Moskater writes for Acme packing company. He always used to talk about like pass rushers and quarterbacks, right? You pay a tax to go sign them. If they're good, you have to overdraft them. You have to oversign them, right? Like you have to get ahead of it. And for the, a team like the Packers who now admittedly without number 12, a quarterback should theoretically, unless Jordan Love turns into the next four or 12, right? And and they have to pay him buku dollars, will have slightly more cap flexibility over the next coming years, right? But like, you're going to have to pay Rashawn Gary, okay? And you're going to have to get ahead of that. Probably a result of that would, could be, will be Preston Smith leaving, right? So why not draft? your eventual other starting outside linebacker before you have to pay Gary and before you have to cut that, right. Continue to mitigate those costs. I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir to you. I know we're, we're typically pretty lockstep on this, but just as far as like to explaining to the average person, right? Like tight end would be cool. Offensive lineman. Yes. I, I, I coach offensive line at the college level. I'm no bigger advocate for the, the big fellas than me, right? But, like, as far as the pass rushers go or the offensive tackles go, like, you need to get ahead of that before it is. Like, it's simply put, and I remember last year talking about Daniel Falele, right, which made me look like an idiot when he goes in the fourth round. But he's a guy – is he the 30th best player in the draft? Good God, no. 
but like what his physical potential is at that size and that athleticism, it's going to warrant inflation, right? It's going yeah. to be, it's, you're going to have to pay more than what it's actually worth because that doesn't come around very often. Not calling any pass rusher in this class, Daniel Falele, right? But like you you have to pay more, right? Like you're talking about Will Anderson. Will Anderson was just called by Pete Prisco as a non-generational player. Joey Bosa was, I remember, considered a very, was like, yeah, he'll probably be like a nine to 10 sack a year guy. Aiden Hutchinson call. was that way. Second, right. like, he was a safe. You, you, safe you was like a, a fancy word. And right. he like was, you have to overpay him. You have to yes. take him too early. Right. And now do I, do I think that Joey Bosa or Aiden Hutchinson were overdrafted? Probably not. Right. But like, you don't have to be this like surefire future 20 sack a year guy to go number one, right. Or go number two. You have to overpay these guys. Lucas Van Ness didn't even start in college and he's going to be probably a top 20 pick. Like, and that was where like people are talking about some, like some of these guys too. Again, we talked about this before the show, the words like, Oh, reach. And like Rashawn Gary was a reach. Do you think if we did a redraft right now, I promise you Rashawn Gary goes in the top 12 picks. So like, I think the words reach and value and some of these things that we, the buzzwords that we use are to make ourselves as fans either feel better or confirm prior thoughts that we have about the picks or say that we don't like who our rival teams picked or anything like that. I just, when it comes to, you mentioned Van Ness. Some people are like, oh, he's a bottom end of the first round type of player. It's like, well, okay. So like maybe Green Bay can move back and grab him, but like, if they pick him at 15 and you say like, Oh, he was the 22nd rated player on the board. Well, they took him at 15, like close enough. When we talked about like, we mentioned this too, and not to get too holier than thou, because neither you or I are in the, the room either. Right. But like value is this fake, um, you know, manifested word for like, again, due to the, yeah, well he was, he was number 21 on the PFF big board. What a great value to get him in the second round at 55. And I, Mike Renner is one of my best friends. The Packers don't give an F what Mike Renner thinks about anything, right? So, like, the Packers may have had him as a third-round pick. They might have feel bad about this selection, right? Like, ah, oh, we probably reached for him, right? Or the Packers could take someone, right? I had people on Twitter telling me that, well, they could have got a fullback, a.k.a. Josiah DeGuara. They could have got a fullback in the sixth round. Every mock draft on the Internet told me that today. I'm like, right. But a professional football team just took him at 83. So I really don't care where he was at. Again, I'll pick on my friend Mike. Didn't have A.J. Dillon in his top 250 players. He didn't know who A.J. Dillon was. <laughs> Sorry, that, it's again, not funny because of that. But again, but yeah. the Packers valued him clearly as a top 62 player in the entire draft. So I don't care what value means when the person that's not making the pick doesn't feel the same way. Value is team by team, right? Like the Packers may feel they got an excellent value with AJ Dillon. Um, Rudy from Keel might think that the Packers that was an awful value. He could have got him in the seventh round. But like, if two other teams had him with a fourth round grade, no, you couldn't have got him in the seventh round because they would have here's, took him in the third. Like, it's here's all- a real life example of that is, and this is confirmed by Brian Gutekunst. The same draft they took Rashawn Gary, they took Darnell Savage at 21. And the consensus that year was no safeties worth a first-round pick. I even tweeted as much that particular year. Not to toot my own horn, there's plenty of misses that I have on that as well. Brian Gutekunst, they asked him in the 
post presser after they traded up to get Savage, they said, Hey, was he, you know, this is a little high for this safety. Did you guys think that, you know, could you have just sat back and gotten him? And Gutekunst was basically like, no, we had really good intel that he wasn't going to be there if we went and got him. Incidentally, the intel, incidentally, they hired Milt Hendrickson yes. away from the Baltimore Ravens who, who picked, picked ahead of 23. Yeah, they had to get okay. ahead of Green. They had to get ahead of Baltimore to do it. Like that's an example, though. Of I don't care where the draft network. I don't care where Chris Trapasso. I don't care where Emory Hunt had Darnell Savage. The Packers knew where the Ravens had him rated, and they knew that they had him rated similarly, and they knew they had to go get him. I don't care if on the the PFF.com simulator you got him at pick forty six, all seven hundred times you ran the simulator leading up to the draft, right? Like so, the, the, there's it's a misnomer. Obviously, in hindsight, it's 2020, right? But, like, it's a misnomer to think that all 32 teams think the same way about players. They don't. Every single play, every single team thinks differently about every single player. And they have, you know, there's, I mentioned this before the show, I bet Tyreek Hill was on three draft boards because Tyreek Hill had a very, very sketchy legal past heading into the NFL. I know for a fact a lot of teams said, I won't draft him at all because I don't think he's a good human being. And right? for the people going around, here's the thing <laughs> for the people going this week of saying like, Oh, the Packers took, I think it was Trevor Davis one pick before Tyreek Hill. There is, I don't know this for a hundred percent fact, So I'm not saying that I do. Ted Thompson was the general manager at the time. There is no way in hell he was on green Bay's board at all. There's but does that no mean way. that Tyreek Hill was a good value? Right. And that's the, the whole, Chief, yeah. the chiefs passed on him six times. Right. And at that point, Say what you will. Like, these guys are so smart, and I don't want to, like, make it so elementary, but it kind of is a dart throw at that point. Like, you're just betting on a trade or two and hoping. And that's why, like, when everyone's like, oh, Tom Brady, you fight, you could find a great quarterback. Brock Purdy, you could find a great quarterback with the last pick of the draft. It's like exception to the exception to the exception to the exception. That's not the rule. And like you said before the show, which I'll end on, you can find – everybody can find an exception. You cannot build a team – out of exceptions. So the Packers, these guys that we're talking about tonight are not exceptions. Will Anderson, certainly not. Uh, these guys, the other guys, Will McDonald, Keon White, maybe they'll be Packers. Maybe they won't. Uh, we're out of time for tonight, though, because we could definitely do this uh, for quite quite a bit more time. Uh, next week, we will be uh, talking about, uh, I'm looking up here, offensive tackles. So, of course, we're talking about offensive tackles. So the entire offensive tackle class, talking about guys we like early, guys we like late. Since everybody says just pick three guys on day three, I'll let Owen scream about that next week and why that's not exactly smart. But you can follow him if you want him if you want to do that. It's at Reese Draft. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westerf. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your guys' week, and we're one one day closer to draft day. Enjoy it. See you guys again. Mm-hmm.